Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Within these three realms, all voices coincide or live with inside these three realms of voices. There is God's voice, and then there is my voice, and then there is the enemy's voice. All voices in the world, all voices in our society, they fall into one of these three spectrums of voices. You're always hearing something, whether you're talking to yourself or someone's talking to you, you're always hearing something. None of us wake up in the morning and decide to think. Thought is natural. It is always there. We're always thinking about something. We are either, we are either underthinking or overthinking, but we're thinking. And thinking is always a voice in our head. And that, that, that voice in our head is... Uh, influenced by the world around us. It's influenced by the people that we come in contact with, the friends that we keep. It's influenced by the books that we read, and it's influenced by the music that we listen to. It's influenced by the movies that we watch. It's influenced by uh, the different locations that we find ourselves in from time to time. There are a lot of influences and voices in our world all the time and in our head all the time. And breaking these voices down into three characteristics, three spheres of influence, God's voice, my voice, and the enemy's voice. And in my first lesson, I went through um, the voices that would be coming from the Lord. And the first characteristic that I talked about of God's voice is that God's voice always speaks peace. God's voice is a peaceful voice. He is not the author of confusion. God does not speak to you fear. God does not speak to you doubt. The, his, the second characteristic of his voice is that it is fearless. It, 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 it's, it has no fear in it. If God's speaking to you, he's not speaking to you in a way that would make you worry, fret, or doubt. And God's voice is always patient. God is not in a hurry. The only time God is in a hurry is when it comes to salvation. He said, now is the time, right now. Other than that, God's not, God's not in a hurry. God wants you to take your time. God says, get a, get a multitude. Get a, get a multitude of people who will give you advice. Not, not one, not two. But, but in the multitude of advice, there is, or the Bible calls it counsel. In the multitude of counsel, there is safety. Speak to people. Talk to people. God's voice is always patient, it's not quick. And God's voice is always good. God, God is not gossiping about your neighbor to you. That, that ain't God. I had a person who was in this church uh, several, several years ago. Uh, when, when they first attended the church, the first Sunday they were there, um, we had some mutual friends and I don't know if you know this, but sometimes when people have a mutual friend to you, they think they know you, but you don't know me. And so th th this individual thought that they knew me. 
And they was like, well, you know, I went to so-and-so's church and, you know, I was here and I did this and did that. And I'm just like, okay, that's good. That's awesome. That's great. And they were like, and there was some trouble in that church. I said, okay, all right. Well, this is already I understand that uh, this person's already come to me telling me all the trouble that was in their previous church. Red flag. All, all, already. She's talking about the pastor, talking about the friends, the, the praise singer. She said, the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me all the sin that was on the platform. And that's when I knew she was lying. Because I ain't got no Bible for that. The Lord ain't showed nobody nothing about nobody's sin. That's not what God does. God doesn't gossip. God doesn't gossip. The Lord showed me what they was doing. I exposed them all. I said, well, uh, th th that's unbecoming a prophetess. Because I don't got no Bible where the Lord told someone else someone else's sins and then had them go tell everybody on an individual. This is not, yeah, this is not, um, that's not what God does. God doesn't, if God's going to speak to you about somebody, it's going to be good. Now, now, now God may warn you. And God will give you the spirit of discernment. Amen. And God will raise red flags. But God ain't sitting down with you at breakfast being like, let me tell you what she did. That's, that's, not, that, that's not happening. And the fifth, the, the fifth characteristic of God's voice is that it will be harmonious with his word. God will not say something that is contradictory of his written word. He ain't going to come to you and say, well, I know the Bible says this and that and this and that. But I got a new thing now, and you can forget all that. That's not what God does. God's word, every drop of it is good for rebuke, for reproof, and, and, and for the edification of the saints. Every piece of this word makes sense in your life. And God doesn't speak outside of his word. He doesn't go outside of his word and, and, and make, the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What God hated 200 years ago, he hates right now. What God loved 2,000 years ago, he loves right now. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. Right? If it was right then, it's right now. Now, I understand context. I mean, yes, absolutely. You know, you know, there is a contextual way to read the word of God, and there is a contextual way to understand the word of God. I mean, because if not, if we're not going to put the word in context, we're not going to try to have a contextualized concept of God's word, then if your children were out of line and, and you know, needed need discipline, and they kept acting up, we could just take them out back and stone them. Because that's in your Bible. They got super quiet in here. I was like, what? Yeah, that's in the Bible, but we understand the contextual reason for that and how we don't do that today, right? Because well, I, I understand all that. But however, what, what God didn't like back then, he doesn't like now. He still doesn't like an undisciplined child today. Now, he don't want you to stone that child. That was, that was Moses' rule and Moses' law, but he would like you to put a rod to the child every once in a while. I mean, that's Bible. If you spare the rod, you spoil the child. 
And, 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 and uh, I, I know we don't spank our children today like we used to. And, and uh, I, I know I don't spank my children like I got, I got spanked all the time. I got spanked just, in, just on, on general principle. I don't know what you've done, but I know you did something. Anybody ever got spanked on just GP? Just general principle. Just, I, I just, 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 and just in case you forgot. But, and I understand that, but what, what the Bible's really saying is, if you don't discipline your kids in some way, the rod is, is a form of discipline, that there needs to be discipline. And so what, what God didn't like then, he doesn't like now. He doesn't like the pride of life. He doesn't like gossip and backbiting. He doesn't like fornication. He, he, he doesn't like adultery. Like, they're, they're, like God is not going to speak to you outside of his word that that is a characteristics of God's voice God's voice I I know it's God because it's connected to the word and I know it's not God I know that wasn't God because it totally contradicts the word of God amen so that's the first voice that we have in our life what I want to talk to you about this morning is the second most powerful voice in your life and that is your voice some would say, and, 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 and I would tend to agree most of the time, that the most powerful voice in your life is your voice. Because God gives you choice. And, and God can speak to all of us. But, but if we want to speak to ourselves over him, he will let us. And, and, and so we have to understand what are the characteristics of when do I know I'm talking to me? And one of the major um, characteristics of your voice is this is that it is self-serving I know that you don't want to admit this and it's fine it's fine that you don't want to admit this but it's true we are selfish people okay and, 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 and let me help you I'm not calling you selfish I'm saying that the human proclivity and the human condition is selfish we are designed to survive. We, we, we are designed that if, if, if we see people running, we run. <laughs> what y'all running for? There, listen, I, I know what the movies say. I know what the movies say. But in real life, if you hear a noise up the stairs in a dark room, you don't go check it out. <laughs> nay, nay. Shanay, nay. We don't, no, 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 no. We, we, we say, Hello? Y'all know who's up there? Because there's like a 50-50 chance that there's a masked man with a chainsaw in that dark room. So we just roll out like, hey, I don't know who's up there, but we rolling. <laughs> and, and if I do go, if I, if I do have the courage to go, I'm going with a light, a bright light, several weapons. I'm just not walking in like, uh, anybody in here? And then my head gets cut off because I'm selfish. We're not, we're not designed to do that. That, that. That's not in the human nature. And, and, and so what you need to know is that at your base level of humanity, you're, you're selfish. At your base level. And here's why I believe that God put in us an innate desire to take care of self. Because he knew at the end of the day, each man must work out his own salvation. Here's what you need to know. In some ways, I'm super selfish. Like, I love you, but you ain't going to make me miss heaven. 
Like, like, I want nothing but good for you, but you're not going to make me hate you so that I miss heaven. Because I'm selfish like that. Like, I want to be your friend, but I'm not going that, to that place with you. No, no, no. Well, if you don't go with me, you're not my friend. Well, then I guess I'm not your friend because I'm selfish and I'm not, I'm not getting involved with that, that thing. I'm not doing that with those people. I'm not getting connected in that way. You know why? Because I'm selfish. All right? So, so, so there's that part of it. But when we know that it's our voice is when we start trying to elevate ourselves over others. When that voice is in your head that says, I'm, I'm just, I deserve this because I'm better. That's you. God, God ain't never spoke to you and said, you're better than them. So you need to have this position. God ain't never said that to nobody. God has never told anybody, I love you more than I love them. But some people will try to put God in that position and say, well, you know, God told me that I, I'm the one need to run this ministry. And if you don't believe it, even the 12 who spent three years with him had a problem of who would be the greatest. That's what they were arguing about. When the Lord said, what, what were y'all arguing about on the way here? And, and they held their voice because they knew what they was arguing about on the way there. And they was in the back of the car fussing. I mean, obviously, I should be the leader. I mean, like if we're a band, obviously, I'm lead singer. No, no, no. I am. I'm the guy who Jesus trusts with the money. So obviously, I'm the leader. I know, but but you ugly, and look at me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I I know you're smart and all that, but I mean, if we're gonna have a face for people to see, like. Bruh, you busted. And look at me. Like, I'm definitely the leader. Yeah. Jesus tells me, he says, Jesus tells me, he said, listen, whichever one of y'all thinks you're the greatest, then you should be last. Like, like if you know, if you know I'm better than all of y'all, then you should strive to be the last one through the door. You should strive to be the servant of everybody else. So whoever thinks they're greatest, that's the one who should be trying to serve the most. You should be the most humble if you think you're so good. If you really think you're so good, then you should be the most humble person in the room. The most humble person in the room should be the most talented person in the room. And when that voice in your head starts talking and it's self-serving and it's self-edifying and it's self-gratifying and it's self-lifting and it's self-promoting, you know that ain't God. This is not God talking. God is not telling me that, that I should do this. That's got to be me. That's me. That, that's my voice. I'm the one who's, who's making this up. A lot of times we get ourselves in trouble because we listen to ourselves so much. Here's what I always say. You should stop believing you so much. You should stop believing you so much. Like you need to have checks and balances with yourself. You know how when other people start talking, we automatically start like doing the math? Automatically. 
People start saying, well, yeah, I was here. I was there. I did this. I did that. Before you even say, oh, that's awesome. In your head, you've already done the calculations. Now, I know they was there. I don't know. I ain't never heard. Now, I, I, now I, I, I know Craig was there. I'm going to call Craig. See what Craig remembered. <laughs> like, you already done the math. And, and if it don't add up, you're like, mm-hmm. You're like, well, I know that you weren't even there when it happened, you know, because you don't know what I know. And we're already just because we're just doing the math. You need to do that to yourself sometimes. You need to be the checks and balances for your own voice sometimes. When you start talking, turn around to yourself and say, now, look, let's, 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 let's honestly say, you actually never heard them say that. Someone told you they said that, but you ain't never really heard them say that. Did, did you hear it? Ah, when you when, when you can turn around on self and say, now, why? Why do you feel that way? I say this to my wife all the time. Uh, and I don't know if she's here today. She's probably busy doing something else. But um, I say this to my wife all the time. It bothers me that it bothers me. Because there's things in my life that bother me and I don't think they should bother me. And when they bother me, like I have learned to take a step back and look at myself and go, now, why does that bother me? And when I see me, I'm like, that bothers me that it bothers me. I'm mad at me. Look at me. I'm self-serving. That's, that's just me being, that's my, that's my fleshly proclivity is to do that. And, and I've learned over the years to pull myself out of myself and go, mm, look at you. You are just an idiot. Look at you. Look, you're mad. And you got no reason to be mad. You're hurt. Why are you hurt? These people mean nothing. Why are you hurt? They can't make you. They can't break you. They can't save you. Why are you so mad? Why, why is this bothering you? And I'm looking at myself going, I don't know why it bothers me. I'm like, well, I'm bothered that you're bothered. You need to learn how to do those checks and balances in yourself. Especially when it comes to other people and it comes to self-serving and you heard or somebody heard or somebody heard and then you come on over here and you wounded and hurt and you never even, if you really was truthful with yourself, you don't even really know the facts. You, 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 you weren't even there. You weren't even there. You've heard the story from a third person. Here's the second, here's the second way that you can know for sure that it is your voice, and that is that it has a proclivity to be rebellious. Watch what Second Peter 2, 9 through 10 says. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and how to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise government. Despise government. Now, when you got to understand when second, when Peter's writing this, when he says despise government, he ain't talking about America. He ain't even talking about Rome. He's not talking about those that despise the government. He says those that despise government, those that despise governing, those that despise someone being over them. Yeah. He said presumptuous are they Self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. When that voice in your head starts saying, they don't know nothing. Who are they to tell me what to do? 
Can't nobody tell me how to, can't nobody. That's you. That's you talking. Someone say, well, no, 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 pastor. That's the devil. No, no, no. That's you. We, we got to stop blaming everything on the devil, y'all. Listen, here's the deal. If it was the devil, then let's rebuke him. And you'll be fine tomorrow. But you're still, you're still in trouble. Why? Because it wasn't the devil. You were so busy buking him, you forgot to buke you. It, it, it's not him. And listen, if it was a devil, one moment in God's presence could fix it. But it's your flesh. <laughs> and, and, and guess what you take with you when you leave this altar? Your flesh. You going home with you. And when, 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 when you have those voices in your head that, are, that, are, that despise submission, I don't want to do that. I don't believe in that. I don't think we should do that. I don't have to do that. I'm not going to be told what to do. That's you. That's self-willed. And then when it comes around, well, they did this. They did that. They should be ashamed of themselves. Can you believe? Speak evil against dignities. And that word dignities just literally means leadership. To speak evil of leadership, to speak evil of government, to speak evil of, of, of accountability. You see, here's the problem we have uh, in, 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 in 2022 is that we've, we've, majored, we've majored on calling and we've majored on passion. Right? So, man, you called, you're passionate, let's go. And we've minored on submission. So our passion outruns our submission. And we're so passionate that we forget, well, I'm still under checks and balances. But God called me. I do what I want to do because God called me. I do what I want to do because I'm running this. That, that's not God's voice. And, and it ain't even the devil's voice. That's all you. You just fleshly. And if you can recognize, you know what, that voice that doesn't want to be under submission, I need to check that because th that's me. Because the great thing about passion under submission is only passion under submission can fulfill the vision. You can be as passionate as you want to be, but if you're not willing to submit to the process and the protocol and the timing of God, I know people that have been so passionate, but they wouldn't try to fit themselves into God's season. And it's like, no, God called me and I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right now. Well, let's, let's take, hold up, let's, let's do this. No, 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 no. You don't understand it. I'm good. I don't need you. That's despising government. No, and you're right. You don't need me. God, God uses who he will. But since the beginning of this book to the end of this book, God has always used men to submit to men. I know we don't like to hear this kind of talk and we struggle with it because we're, we're so caught up in passion and calling that we forgot how to talk about submission and we struggle with it because we want to do what we want to do, but you can't always do what you want to do. Sometimes you got to say, okay, 
Well, I don't necessarily like that, but I'll submit to that. You know how many times in my ministry I had to submit to something I didn't like? Do you know that right now, standing before you in this suit, this skin, that there are things that I'm currently doing that I don't like? But I'm submitted to it. And I'm the pastor of this church. But I'm submitted to authority. And there's things that, that, that I, would, I would argue with all day long. But at the end of the day, I'll say, you know what? I'll do that because I, I've been asked to do that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the rules because this is what you want. And you are my authority. And I listen to my authority. Because passion without submission is dangerous. It's dangerous. It'll lead you where you don't want to go. Listen, you may be awesome, but, but, but you are exposed when you come out from underneath covering. Yeah. It's like, in Romans, I know that we, you know, we see the, the armor of God. And, you know, you know, we see that as like, you know, this, this, this great, you know, like fighting ability. But, but honestly, if you think about armor, it, it's, it's cumbersome. It's weight. It, it don't allow you to move like you want to move. It doesn't allow you to go like where you want to go. And it doesn't allow you to, to do everything that you want to do. It's, 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 you can't, I can move better without this. I can achieve more without this. I could go faster without all this. But God says no. And, and, and God says, I will never put this on you. You must put it on. There, there, there is no waving of God's hand that puts submission on you. You have to say, Lord, I put it on me. I put on the helmet. I put on the breastplate. I know that this is cumbersome. I know that it makes me slower than I really am. I know that it's cumbersome, but it protects me. I know that if I put this on, I can't move as fast as I used to move. I know I can't do everything I used to do because all this is just weight. But I know that it's here for my protection. It protects my mind. It protects my heart. It's, amen. I don't have, I could, I could just preach there all day long. Because we need submission now more than ever before. Because we live in such a free world that has crept into our spirits that we think we're free. And you ain't free. You can wave your flag all you want to. America, do all, all you want to. Go out, blow stuff up, go shoot something. Be, be American all you want. But God don't care nothing about your Americanism. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He said, he said I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control you. And, and if you got a gift, fantastic. I will use your gift. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring you before mighty men. <laughs> There's always going to be a man in your life. If you really want to live for God, there's always going to be a voice in your life that says, no, you can't do that. No, we don't go there. No, we don't say that. Got to be a voice. And I, you know, I've seen this week someone you know, posted, you know, religion is not a dress code. You know, people in church fornicating and talking, but looking all, listen, I agree. Religion is not a dress code, but it's not not a dress code. 
It is a dress code. And it's a voice code. And it's an action code. And it's an integrity code. It's a character code. Yeah, don't get caught up. Don't get caught up on dress. Yeah, it is a, it is a dress code, actually. It is, actually. It's not not one. Because if there's not that, then there's n- I, I can just say what I want to say, too. And I can just I, I can treat you how I want to treat you because there's no code. There is a code. There's a yoke. There's an armor. You want to be protected? Put it on. You want to live a holy, righteous life? Put it on. Yeah. Number three. And I'm, 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 I'm quickly, quickly. Now, the third way you know it's your voice is it is very judgmental. It's very judgmental. Now, I like to pick on my wife a lot because she's super judgy. <laughs> super judgy. And she doesn't think she is, but I'm like, girl, you're super judgy. So last night we pulled to the gas station and I don't know, I, I did something. I forgot what I did, but she was judging me. The whole way outside the car, she was judging me and I knew she was judging me. And I had to come back to the car and get my phone, so I came back to the car, and I said, I said, only judge can God me. And I slammed the door. And then when I was walking away, I looked back, and she was talking to the girls in the car, and she was judging me there, too. Yeah. And it is your natural human proclivity to be judgy. We have made ourselves judge and jury. Amen? And we need to be judging people. That we don't even know. Never met them before. Never been in their presence. Never heard them speak a word. We're just judging them. Because I know all about it. When that voice gets in your head that starts judging everybody, that's you. That is you. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1-5 through 5 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet I am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Look at your neighbor and say, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Who both will bring the light to the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. He said, listen, keep your judging to yourself until the Lord comes. Because when the Lord comes, all this stuff that's been done in the dark is going to come to light. Don't worry about it. God going to do what God going to do. I'm going to let God handle you. I'm going to go on about my business. Right? But... Here's what I like is that when we talk about being judgmental, uh, we, we always assume and we place that on other people. But in this scripture, he says to the Corinthian church, he says, I judge not mine own self. Because some of us have a problem judging others, but we also have a problem judging us. You are sometimes your worst judge. Stop being so hard on yourself. 
Stop judging you. You're, you're, you're having a battle between guilt and shame, and there's a difference. Guilt says, I did a bad thing, and I need to make it right. That's guilt. You need guilt. That's guilt. That's called conviction. The Lord puts conviction on us. Guilt is good because guilt lets you know this was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. This is wrong. I need to fix this. Shame, shame doesn't say I made a mistake. I need to get it right. Shame says I am a mistake. Guilt says I was wrong. Shame says I am wrong. I am an evil person. This is just who I am. And we judge ourselves so harshly because we think that we are what we do. But if any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, but if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. See, what we need to do is take our eyes off of us and off of others and see people through the lens of what Jesus has done for them and see myself through the lens of what Jesus has done for me. If I look at me, I'm always going to be lacking, but I don't look at me. I look at what God did for me. I look at him and his ability. I look at him and his actions and they cover all that I did. Amen. And if I'm always looking at you, and judgmental of you, and I'm always looking at me and judgmental of me, that I don't see Jesus, and Jesus died for all of that. You made mistakes, join the club, get a number, and get in line. You ain't special. We all have come short of the glory of God. I, if I'm a judge anybody, I'm a judge him. And I judge him worthy. The Bible says I judge him worthy. I judge him worthy to cover me. Yes. Now moving on very quickly. Number four, I got just about five, ten minutes. Number four is we know this our voice because it's full of self-pity and excuses. Watch, watch Job chapter 3, 23 through 26. He says, why is light given to a man who, whose way is hid and whom God hath hedged in? For my sighing cometh before I eat and my roarings are poured out like waters for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Job is just full of self-pity here. He said, the thing that I feared most came on me. Watch Psalms 42 and 9. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Ecclesiastes 7.10, we see it again. He says, say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. You know that it's you when you start getting so full of self-pity and it becomes a victim mentality. Why? Why me? Why all this? You know it's your voice when you get drug into the concept of thinking that this is just how it is for me. People hate me. People don't love me. It's me. I'm the problem. This is also shame. What happens here is that when you get so deep into self-pity 
and you get so deep in the victim mentality, here's what happens. It's not that you think that people are against me, people hate me, I, I, I've done wrong, no one loves me, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, we, we, we've all had these thoughts. This is not, I'm not just talking to some person in here, I'm talking to everybody in here. We've all had these thoughts. I'm not just like trying to point somebody out right now. This is all of us. We have all dealt with these thoughts. We've all heard these voices, and a lot of us believed it was something else. We didn't believe it was us. What, what, what happens is when we get this victim mentality is we shift blame. And blame is power. Look at your neighbor and tell them, blame is power. Mm. If, if, you, if you get nothing I say for the rest of your time at Truth Chapel, then what you need to know is I want you to know one thing, and that is blame is power. Who you blame has the power. Well, my daddy, well, your daddy has the power. Oh, my mom, your mama has the power now. You gave it to her. Well, my ex-husband, your, your ex-husband has the power now. My ex-wife, well, now you're giving them the power. Well, I, it, it was my teacher. No, okay, now your teacher has the power. Blame is power. Whoever you blame has the power. They controlled you then and they're controlling you now. Here's what you have to do. You have to say, I blame myself. I don't blame myself for the action that was taken against me. I blame myself for living under it this long. I, I, didn't, I couldn't control what they did when I was a kid. But I can control my actions now. I'm an adult. This on me. This on me. And see, when you shift it to you and you say this on me, when you, when you put it on you and you get it off, the victim mentality puts it on everybody else, the whole world. But then when you shift it to me, say, no, this on me. Well, guess who you gave the power to now? Me. Now I got the power. And you can't control me no more. Because when I take the power for myself, I say, you know what? I can get out of this. I don't have to live under this, uh, this, this battle. I don't have to live under this spirit, this mentality. I don't have to live under this, under this all-consuming issue of my life controlled by moments in time. But I take control and I say, you know what? I am not the victim. I'm the victor. I'm the one who can make the difference. This on me. I know what they did, but this is on me now. I know what they said, but this is on me now. I know how they acted, but this is on me now. I can never control other people. I can only control me. Only control me. The last one, and I'm closing. Number five, last one, is I know it's my voice because I always speak in worst case scenarios. Ain't nobody got to, ain't nobody going to run no aisles right now. Ain't nobody going to amen me, but you know who you are, all of us. Psalms 31, beginning in verse 9 says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. <laughs> wow. I was a reproach among all mine enemies and especially among my neighbors. They hated me the most. And a fear to my acquaintances, they that did see me without fled from me. I'm forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. 
I'm like a broken vessel, Lord, for I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. The problem with this chapter is it just ain't true. Not for David's life, not at the time he wrote this. In the time that David wrote this scripture, the time that David wrote this psalm, he had a couple problems. But it wasn't everybody trying to kill him. It was two people. But we're thinking, you know it's your voice when it's worst case scenario. Everybody hates me. No, it's just two people who really don't even matter. Everybody's out to get me. No, it's just one person. And, 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 and unless his name is everybody, unless his mother said, let's name him everybody, then everybody's not out to get you. David was looking in worst case scenario because we know David had mental health issues. If you don't think David had mental health issues, then don't read the book of Psalms because David was struggling all the time. He was like, Lord, I bless you. I love you. But why have you forgotten me? And the man bipolar, bro. You hate me, Lord, and you're the greatest God of all time. Wow. Yeah, just read Psalms in that fashion. Read Psalms thinking about that, and you'll be like, yeah, I, I think David has some trouble. But David was his own worst enemy because he thought in such grand schemes of everybody hates me that he went into his own world, and he secluded himself from friends and family, and he isolated. And his deepest trouble that he ever got into was because he was isolated because he thought everybody hated him. And everybody didn't. It was his worst case scenario. The worst case scenario, everybody's against me. I'm never gonna make it out of this. I'm gonna die here. You know that it is your voice when it's worst case scenario. God thinks in the best case scenario. God said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. I know my future plans for your life. They are thoughts of peace and not of harm. They're thoughts of goodness. And, 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 and like God said, I, I got a plan worked out for your life. And, and guess what the end of the plan? Now, now getting there may be some trouble, but guess what the end is? The end is good. He, he reaffirms this to us all throughout the word of God by saying things like all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, that are called according to his purpose. He's like, it's going to get there. It's all going to work out. You're in trouble now, but, but my plan for your life is good on the end. If you'll stick with me, it's, I, I'm going to work this out. I'm on your side. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? I was young, but now I'm older and I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed begging bread. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I refuse to let my mind tell me the worst case scenario. I will not let myself stand up and grandstand in my own mind and tell me that this is not going to work out, that this is the worst case scenario. Scenario, And every one of us in this room are guilty of it, but that's your voice. That's not the voice of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And then come from God. The worst case scenario is fear. But God said, that's, that didn't come from me. I didn't send you that spirit of fear. I sent you the spirit of a sound mind. I gave you a good mind that you could work out some things up here. I, my, my voice comes and fixes all that. It says, no, that's, that's not going to happen because the enemy isn't powerful enough to do all that. I know 
that my God is in control. And I refuse to think in worst case scenarios. Everybody said amen. amen. Would you stand with me as we close today? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.